0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the
1: Start Church podcast, Beyond the Call. My name is Nathan Camp, and I'll be your host today, and we are so glad that you've joined us. The podcast resource from Start Church is to help empower and equip ministers to protect what God has given them to lead. Today's one of our most important topics that we're going to cover, and that is answering this question, are love offerings taxable income, or are they legitimately a gift? You know, one of the most wonderful parts of a being a follower of Christ is the sense of generosity, the desire to give. And many ministers uh, we're finding are experiencing that at the end of a service where someone will come and give them a, a love token or a love gift and say, there's a great message pastor, and we'll hand them a cash offering. And many pastors are filled with tension right at that moment saying, I, I don't know, is this legitimately a gift? Can I take this? Can I receive it? Or is it taxable income? Well, if you've ever had that question, this is going to be a great day to listen to the podcast because we're going to answer the question, are love offerings taxable income or a gift? To answer that... We're going to have one of our favorite uh, guests on on with us today, Justin Upchurch, who's a lead educator here at Star Church. Justin, we're so glad you're in the studio
2: with us. Hey, Nathan, thanks for having me today. Uh, You know, I've been pretty excited about joining you with this podcast. Uh, This is something that, uh, you know, I've I've spent time researching and writing about, creating uh, resources for our clients, Um, you know, because it is a common question that we do receive, Are love offerings taxable income, or are they a gift?
1: People don't know what to do with them. You even go to seminary, and uh, you're hoping to preach really good messages, but nobody's telling you what to do Mm -hmm. if somebody was to invest into the ministry. So let's begin to define a couple things. Uh, What's a love offering? What would you call a love offering? What are they referred by, and what would you call it?
2: Yeah, so love offerings can have several names. Uh, Some may refer to them as honorariums. Some may refer to them as love gifts, and, and typically... These honorariums, these love gifts, these love offerings are giving to a minister for his or her time, his or her service. Um, appreciation. Appreciation right? gifts, yeah. yeah. Some churches may give it to their pastor as a token of appreciation for the service that he or she gives. Or uh, in, in other instances, some churches may have a guest speaker and they want to continue to—they to, want to bless them so that this Send minister can continue their ministry. Yeah. Uh, and so these are—, are um, Now, yeah. a lot of
1: people will say, well, so this is a love gift— right? Uh, why is there any confusion about it all? When, when, in your mind, when is a gift no longer a gift?
2: Yeah, so I think the key to this question is that it's all going to be tied to when a service is rendered by the minister, as a minister. Uh, that's when it no longer meets the qualification of a gift in the true sense of a gift.
1: So if it's in the, in the eyes of the IRS, let's say, a, uh, an offering becomes a gift if it's tied to their duties or their responsibilities or performances as a pastor. So the great sermon, pastor, here's 20 bucks, right. is it directly tied to the ministry so then it's no longer a gift? Is that really the delineation point?
2: Correct. And oftentimes it it, it may not be directly, hey, pastor, great great sermon, here's $20 or here's $100. But as a
1: role as a pastor, your but influence as compelled. a pastor, right. I see. Uh, are there any legal precedents when we're talking about love offerings? Because that happens quite a lot uh, in the body of Christ. Are there any legal precedents we should know about as
2: ministers? There really are. There there are several court cases, um, you know, Past court cases, even some recent court cases um, that deal with this very matter. Uh, one one case in particular um, is the Goodwin versus the United States uh, court case that addresses this very topic. Very, so very famous court case dealing right, with. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so to kind of give you, it's important to understand some of the background information yeah, with absolutely. this case before we get into what the court actually ruled. So uh, in this particular case, Pastor Goodwin's congregation, you know, quickly grew when he when he first started it to around four hundred members, um, and. So at the time, as the church grew, he began receiving a board-approved salary, receiving a housing allowance from the church. Um, And in addition to his approved compensation— Pastor Goodwin's church began receiving special offerings uh, to give to him throughout the year, about four times a year. Just thank you. So the congregation said, we love our pastor. You do a great job. We'd like to just give right. you a gift. Right, absolutely. Okay? And, and so here's here's how it typically happens. So the associate pastor of the church would announce that donations were being received uh, for that special offering for Pastor Goodwin uh, two, around two weeks in advance. So say a couple weeks it it's him. coming. We're going to bless right. our pastor, get mm-hmm. ready, that kind of thing. So this, and typically this announcement would be given to the church prior to Pastor Goodwin and his wife arriving. I see. Okay. Um, and so <clears throat> that way they they didn't know about it. So the congreg so uh, congregants of the church who were you know interviewed for this case said that there was there was no counseling or there was no pressure to give a certain amount of money or even money at all. They were just saying, hey, if you if you if want you love to your contribute, pastor, right? Yeah, be a blessing. If you want to contribute, okay. this is when we're going to do it. So. Um so if we pause here to examine the story, so many of us would say that, well, this this is a common occurrence. We don't really see any sure. issue with this. Be a big deal. Um it, it, it happens, you know, in churches every Sunday. However, the issue lies not with the gesture or the particular desire of the church to bless Pastor Goodwin, rather the issue lies in the taxability of the the quote unquote special offering collected uh You know, and given to Pastor Goodwin. Pastor Goodwin, Goodwin, he believed, hey,
1: this is just an offering, right? It's a gift. They love me as their pastor, and they're giving me a gift.
2: So because it's
1: a gift, I don't have to report that on my taxes or anything. It's surely a gift. Right. And so thus, I think that's what happened, right? The IRS got wind of that and said, no, that's taxable offering. Right.
2: Okay. So, yeah, absolutely. So when the IRS and the courts reviewed this case, they determined that the the, the gifts were considered compensation, and, and therefore, because they were considered com- compensation for the services that Pastor Goodwin was rendering to his congregants, it was going to be taxable income. So here's what the court stated, and I'm going to read it verbatim uh, uh, from the yeah, from absolutely. the case it says that uh, the critical fact in this case is that the special occasion gifts were made by the congregation as a whole rather than by individual church members the case payments excuse okay. me the payments were were gathered by congregational leaders in a routinized highly structured program individual church members contributed anonymously and the regu- regular and regularly Scheduled payments were made to Reverend Goodwin on behalf of the entire congregation. I see. And then the, co- the court continues by saying, viewing the question of transfer intent from this perspective makes it clear that the payments were, were taxable income to the Goodwins. Because it
1: was tied to their – as a minister, right? right? It's Absolutely. You're blessing the minister, his role as a minister, and connecting it there.
2: Yeah, and then the court also concluded that the Goodwins were receiving this money from the congregation because of the services they were performing as ministers, such as baptisms, preaching, uh, the daily duties that they performed as the ministers to operate and run the church. So if
1: a pastor is receiving a gift, a financial gift, and it's tied to their role as a minister, uh, the IRS is going to say that's taxable income. Mm -hmm. Now, when we look at the court case, are there any things that we can pull out, points of clarity to say, this is what we can really learn from that?
2: Yeah. When we look at the the whole of the court case, there are essentially three important points uh, to to bring into clarity. Uh, One, that the special offerings were planned.
1: So if there's some sort of planning going in, hey, it's pastor appreciation month, that's coming. Right. That's going to say, no, no, you're working on taxable income. That's not a gift.
2: And if you recall in this case, the associate pastor Had planned it right two weeks in advance.
1: So that's one thing to start discerning if this is if help people discern if it's taxable income or not. First thing is there any planning to it?
2: Is it church sanctioned? So to say, Uh, the second one important point is that the gifts were in exchange for services rendered as a minister. So step one is
1: it's planned. Step two to discern that is, hey, is this tied to me directly as a minister? Right. Are they saying, I love my pastor? My pastor's a role. Are they saying it's because you're doing a wedding or you've done baptism or just you've been faithful service as a minister? That's going to be another clarifying point.
2: Right. And then the third point is that the gifts were organized by the church and not just individual members of the church, but as the from the church as a whole.
1: So if they were getting a check, you know, the church was receiving this and then giving it to the pastor uh, as a whole, that began. So one thing this helps us pastors on on listening to podcast here is saying, when I receive a gift, does it meet any of those three criteria? Uh, it was it planned. Is it directly tied to my duties as a pastor? Was it from a church as a whole? Mm-hmm. Those are real clarifying pieces there. And if it is, the IRS is going to say that that is taxable income. If you're joining us today, you're joining the Start Church podcast, Beyond the Call, and we're so glad that you're here. We're discussing our, taxable, our love offerings, taxable income, or a gift. If you have any questions, you can begin to call right now at 844-641-5718, 844-641-5718. You can ask for a discussion on the podcast, or you can email us, podcast at Justin, is this even a big deal? Are there any legal ramifications about it? I mean, if I get this wrong, is it, is it a big deal at
2: all? So, yeah, there there are some some legal ramifications when love offerings are improperly handled. Uh, there's a recent story uh, from North of a minister in North Carolina. Um, and now I, I share this story, you know, not simply to point out the mistakes of this particular minister, but rather so... So, ministers, so other ministers and other pastors and church leaders can learn from these mistakes. Um, but this minister in North Carolina, this was as early as uh, you know, back in 2001, uh, it was brought to the minister's uh, attention that several items within the church were out of compliance. And it was essentially they were in need of co- correction. Now, there are times when it may seem like uh, Correcting these items can be an arduous process, and in this instance, it was an arduous process. So this minister decided, okay, we maybe we'll get to these items later. Yeah, these cor- okay. correct so it was brought to his later. attention, and mm-hmm. he
1: said, you know, it's just too much to handle right now. We'll do it later.
2: Right. And then, so, from about the years of 2002-2007, uh, this minister had failed to report certain reimbursements, certain love offerings, and other uh, various gifts as taxable income on his personal income taxes. Uh, additionally, this minister continued to file his tax returns uh, late between the years of 2000-2007, of which, in turn, this—because— there was a, a, a continuation of, of late filings of his personal taxes. This kind of caught the attention of the, the Department of Justice, and which led to a, an investigation of his personal finances in 2007. Now, in April of 2008, the Department of Justice charged this minister with fraud for filing false tax returns and tax evasion for not paying taxes that, that really should have been paid had he properly filed his tax returns. So those
1: reimbursements, those love offerings— he was saying they're gifts uh, and not going to pay a tax on them
2: right okay? absolutely so in the end long story short uh, this n- particular minister was found guilty of 13 counts of fraud and tax evasion wow. in addition his wife was found guilty of four counts of fraud and tax evasion now in december of 2010 uh he uh, with the i guess with the uh, the verdict and everything of what he was going to be charged with he received eight years and nine months in prison his wife received six years and eight months in prison. Additionally, they were ordered to pay the IRS more than $1 million, plus they owed the state $213,000. This really
1: matters. I mean, it's not just receiving a gift, and uh, many of us won't have any numbers this large, but this does have legal ramifications. We need to use a wisdom in how to handle these love tokens. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to be careful that we're not trying to defeat a tax or evade a tax, right? Uh, I love the saying that says the IRS loves love offerings as long as you share the love. Right. And so there's a, a responsibility that we have here as ministers that we want to make sure to get this right. What are common scenarios? I, I would think that people are sitting out there, Justin, and saying, "Well, then I'm going to figure out a way, you know, to give to my pastor." What are the common scenarios which people try to deal with love offerings? How how do you see that playing
2: out? Uh, so I think perhaps the best way to 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 kind of address some of these common scenarios is by answering three of the common questions that we receive uh, from ministers and church leaders when, you know, when they call in or they're asking asking about love offerings, like, so is this taxable? How do we, you know, or is it a gift? You know, well, can we do this? Can we do that? So one of the common questions that we receive is what if a church collects the offering, but the members make the checks payable directly to the pastor? Sure,
1: so it's not coming from the church checkbook. It's coming from the individual's checks book.
2: Right. So while this may sound like a good idea, the love offering is still going to be subject to the tax code. Right. Uh, and it's going to fall under the Internal Revenue Code of Section 102. And essentially what this says is that any amount transferred by or for an employer to or for the benefit of an employee shall be treated as gross income. Right. The very fact that in this instance the love offering was organized and controlled by the church as the employer – is what makes it taxable. It makes no difference to the IRS whether the checks were made payable to the church or directly to the pastor in this instance. That's a big
1: deal. The church was involved. The church was putting it together, right? right? The church Mm -hmm. was handling it. And because of that, it's going to make a taxable income. Absolutely. What are the other questions?
2: Yeah, another question, a common question is... You know, what if the member randomly gives the past You know, the uh, gives the pastor a love offering after the service. Church
1: isn't involved, right. right? I'm not giving it to the church; I'm giving it directly to the pastor.
2: Mm-hmm. So, and, and this is a very common scenario. And so, while this may appear to be a gift in the true sense of a gift, we have to consider the the context in which that gift was given, okay. and and what the tax code says. So, the tax code says in section sixty one a. Uh, it defines gross income as all income from whatever source derived. Then when we go down to section 61A1, it expounds by including compensation for services. For services, mm-hmm. right. So that's a big... Right, absolutely. So because of this definition of gross income, we have to consider the context surrounding the reason for which the church member personally gave that his or her minister that love
1: offering. That's so important for... for... To understand, we know it's great that they're giving, mm-hmm. right? They're being moved. They're they're being ministered to. So the responsibility on the pastor is to recognize, hey, this is a direct result of mm-hmm. my ministry, and because it's tied to that my ministry, it makes it taxable income, right? right? What's the what are other questions here?
2: Uh, so another common question is, what if several members get together on their own accord? And they decide to, to gather some donations, they, you know, gather some funds together, and then they present those funds to the pastor.
1: Church isn't involved again, right? Right, Not, again, not right. putting in it in a bucket. A bunch of us got together after service. We love our pastor. We're going mm-hmm.
0: to—
2: So, yeah, in this instance, when, so when church, member, when church members get together and they collect money so that they may they bless their pastor, uh, so the idea is that if a church sanction—if it's not a church sanction activity and it's not mentioned from the pulpit, um, and it's done outside of the church, then it's not you know, going to be taxable income. Um, however, there's a court case that speaks directly to this. Uh, in the court case of Charles E. Banks and then Rose M. Banks versus the commissioner of the IRS, uh, what the members of the church did was they met amongst themselves to discuss the gifts to be given to the pastor. And so what the court ruled in this particular case is that the church members desire to reward their pastor for the past service's uh, rendered constituted compensation that was included and hit, hit the gross For income. services right
1: you're receiving this really because you're a good pastor mm-hmm. right and it's not that you can't receive the gift it's that you have to understand that there's a tax ability to that particular gift so those are great common questions i think people can use those lenses that you're giving us justin to say you know is it tied to my service as a pastor is it planned you know as a pastor is it is it Part of that, if so, it begins to say, oh, "I see that there is a income side to this." Let's say that you're you're out there and you say, "Well, then, how should I receive it? I've received those so far this year, or uh, you know, in the past, or going forward. If I receive a, a love offering, how should a pastor properly deal with these love
2: gifts?" So, technically, what should be hap- what should take place is that it's going to need to be recorded. So, whether if, if you're the if you're a minister of a church, you're a senior pastor or lead pastor, you receive an offering you're going to be receiving a W-2 from the church as your employer. So it's going to need to be recorded on your W-2. It should be included with your compensation. Perhaps you have a compensation agreement with your church. It needs to be included in the compensation agreement, as well as it's going to be included on your Form W-2 for when you file your taxes as taxable income. Now, if you're a guest speaker perhaps you're gonna receive a, a 1099 from the church. It's gonna to need to be recorded on a 1099. That way, what the church will do is then send you, send the guest speaker a 1099 at the end of the year so that the guest speaker can then pay taxes on that income.
1: So the kind of key there is go ahead and receive it, but make sure you record it, Absolutely. right? It goes on and you you pay your appropriate taxes from there. The bottom line is love offerings are wonderful, They just need to be handled properly. Justin, we really appreciate you giving us some insight here as pastors. We need rails to run on, and we're glad that you're in the studio with us today.
2: Absolutely. It's been a pleasure.
1: So make sure you join us for our next podcast. We're going to be talking about how to actually count the offering, and that's a lot more than just making all the numbers line up. That's having compliance, applying some wisdom.
0: You don't want to miss the next podcast. We'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.